When four young men learned the location of a fabulous pirate's treasure, the only thing standing between them and untold riches is the Gloucester Ghoul. And then we travel to Moscow, Idaho, to take a look at a true crime story that's taken America by storm. Four college students were brutally murdered in one night in this otherwise sleepy college town. But is it possible they were not killed by a human, but by a giant creature that emerged from the bowels of the earth? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are having... Tons of fun out there in the world and have some cool plans for the weekend. I am feeling much, much better. 95%. I'm just so sleepy. That's really what I've come, that's really what I've come away with after my COVID bout. I'm just sleepy. I'd rather be uh, sitting in a chair with a heating pad on my back, napping. I guess I was like that pre-COVID too. I guess it's not a big difference from how I normally am. But someone who's always ready to tuck me in and put a heating pad on my back is one of our Christmas live stream contributors. Everyone give it up for Iana Paul. Woohoo! Yeah, come on in. Woohoo! Yay! Come on into Dead Rabbit Command, Iana. You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show financially, if you don't want to touch me while I'm trying to fall asleep, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. And then look at this. We got this submission for Fan Art Friday. This was made by Minimum Zucchini. Minimum Zucchini sent over this fairly apocalyptic and disgusting picture of a bloodied dead rabbit doing his best to still listen to the show, even though all of humanity has fallen. Minimum Zucchini, thank you for sending that over. That That's totally awesome. I love that little guy. I mean, he's pretty gross looking, but I still love him. Let's give him a little heating pad for his back. Let him, let him get a good rest after the apocalypse. Ayana, let's go ahead and get this episode started off. I'm going to toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. Why don't you drive us all the way out to Rhode Island? <laughs> nice little leisurely journey in the Jason Jalopy across the United States with Ayana at the wheel. This story was actually recommended to me, so I want to give a shout out. In a roundabout way by longtime Dead Rabbit Radio supporter and Patreon supporter Zachary McCree, he sent me a link to a book, and he goes, hey, do you think this book would be worth reading? Do you think this would be a cool book? It was called The United States of Cryptids, A Tour of American Myths and Monsters. Now, I didn't read the, I didn't read the book. He sent me the link. I didn't read the book, but it had a couple of different monsters listed that they were going to talk about. And I was like, oh, I've never heard of this one. The Gloucester Ghoul. So I would probably I would recommend the book, even though I've never read it and I've never looked at it, because we did get at least one cool story out of it. And I want to give a shout out to StrangeNewEngland.com. I didn't read the book, but I did go to this website and I got most of my information from that. So give them a shout out as well. You want to know what's really weird? I've lived in this place for about 10 years at this point. There's never been an owl outside my window i don't know if you i don't know if the mic's picking that up i'm recording out in the living room i woke up to an owl <laughs> i wish i wish it was in my bedroom bringing me a little magical note 
But I didn't. It was just outside my window. Hoo, hoo, hoo. And it's weird. There's an owl outside my window. And anyone who knows anything about the paranormal knows that the owls are not what they seem. So it's kind of interesting. Maybe I'm getting abducted by aliens tonight. Who knows? Hopefully not. Okay, hopefully not for them. Because I beat them up. We're hanging out now in Gloucester, Rhode Island. It's so weird. He's still hooing out there. It's summer 1893. So put on your pioneer clothes and your little straw thatched hat. We're walking around town. They're like, dude, that well, that's totally a different time period. We're close to the beginning of the 1900s. We're wearing pants that were sewn by people. We're not dressed up like a bunch of Huck Finns. And we're walking. We're not listening to them. We're walking around as much Huck Finns rewriting their history books. We're walking around Gloucester, Rhode Island, and we're about to meet this young man. His name is Albert Hicks. He's a 19-year-old kid who grew up on the East Coast, and he had always heard stories about pirate treasure hidden everywhere. He grew up with these stories, and he always wanted to have his own pirate treasure. But he's like, you know what, I could go out and become a pirate. I could go out and murder a bunch of people and steal their money. Or, Albert thinks to himself, what if I simply stole money from a pirate? Which is an even worse idea, right? That's like being like, oh, well, I could be a drug dealer or I could just rob drug dealers. That seems easier. It's not. It's far more dangerous. What if I stole the treasure of a pirate who's already dead? Then I don't have to worry about nothing, right? Uh, that's that's using the old noggin, Albert. Albert had heard stories about Captain Kidd, world-famous pirate Captain Kidd, and apparently he had buried his treasure in Gloucester, Rhode Island. And Albert had also heard stories that at one point there was this farm in Gloucester where some old Spanish doubloons were once found. Someone is out tilling the field in their Huck Finn hat. And then all of a sudden, what's that, Bessie? Quit pulling this hoe. Let me stop and jump out off of your back or however I did this. Farmer Joe gets down. Well, Tarnation, what's this? This ain't corn. This looks like one of them doubloons. And then he finds a couple more. And then he's less excited the next couple times. He's like, oh, great, more Spanish gold. I just want to get corn. So Albert goes, I think I know where the treasure's I think I know where the treasure's probably buried. It's probably buried near that farm where people keep finding gold coins. It's just a guess, guys. Albert Hicks gets a couple of his buddies together. They said, let's go out there at night and dig up this gold. So it's late at night in summer of 1893. They got their shovels probably a couple pickaxes too in case you know you find a rock you want to smash it up real good they're digging it up and every so often of course one of them would kind of poke their head up and kind of look around make sure no one sees them and they dig a little bit more and then someone else would kind of look around and they just saw you know the night sky has enveloped the entire area they see the farmhouse in the distance they look to their left they look to their right there's forests all around this farm as well, but they just keep digging, and then all of a sudden, they hear a strange sound. They don't say exactly what the sound is. I'm sure any sound other than a shovel hitting dirt would put you on alert. They hear a strange sound, and everyone kind of looks up in the direction of the sound, and that's when they see it. The Gloucester Ghoul is what it's known as. This was the very first sighting of this creature. 
Albert Hicks described it as this would be quite frightening, really. If I mean any any monster coming out of the woods in the middle of the night would be scary, but this one's the size of a cow, which are huge. Like I you I don't think most people know how big cows are because they don't see them every day. This thing comes out of the woods. It's as big as a cow with these massive eyeballs. Let me finish. You're like, okay, Jason, everything has an eyeball. That's not that spooky. But you didn't let me finish. I know I took a kind of a long pause there. It walks out of the woods, and it has these massive eyeballs that look like flaming orbs stuck in its socket. See? You let me finish. You let me get to the flame. It's always scarier. And to be fair, any giant thing, even if it was just a cow in the middle of the night, that would be alarming enough. But this is this giant creature comes out with flaming eyeballs. As this creature is walking towards them, they notice that every breath it takes, flame shoots out of its mouth and nostrils. <laughs> <laughs> So any illusion that this is ordinary at all, right? If you saw something with big flame and eyeballs, you might go, that's weird, but maybe it's just a trick of the light. Maybe it's this old-timey LSD I've been taking. You could you could look at something that was spitting out flame and had flaming eyeballs, and, I mean, it would be terrifying. But the fact that the flames are burning the bushes around this beast as it's walking out of the forest shows that this creature simply doesn't have the appearance of flame, or it's some sort of bizarre optical illusion. No, it's flame, it's fire shooting out of this creature, and it's burning the brush around it. The, the bushes and the foliage are actually becoming singed as this creature is simply moving through the area. The creature is also described as having massive wings, these two big black leathery wings sticking out of its back. Giant spiral horns as thick as a stovepipe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how big a stovepipe is either. I was like, ah, that, I'm sure that's impressive. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, I'm sure, I imagine like two Abraham Lincoln hats on this guy's head. I, that, that's the best I can imagine. And then, then that's just kind of funny. The Gloucester ghoul also had feet that were webbed like a duck. <laughs> and you're like, Jason, okay, wait a second, wait a second. These guys are standing in the middle of the night. They're looking, this thing, they never say how far away this thing is. The, the detail in the description would make me think it's pretty close. I'm thinking within 20 yards. But if something was coming out of the darkness, it was big as a cow, it was breathing flame, it had giant wings, I don't think I'd be like, I wonder what its feet look like. It would be hard to notice, is what I'm saying. It would be hard to see what type of feet it had. It almost sounds like a tall tale at this point. These kids are out there trying to dig up some gold, and they see this big monster coming out with duck feet and everything else, two Abraham Lincoln hats. But maybe, I mean, this thing is putting off an awful lot of light. It keeps setting stuff on fire. So maybe they got a good look at its feet. It had webbed feet like a duck. And it smelled, this is an old-timey smell. This is something that no modern person would know what it smelled like. They just, It would have been close, too, for them to, to smell this. They said it smelled like burned wool. <laughs> what, what was that word you just said? This is one of those words that people say I mispronounce, and I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing it correctly. Wool. Wool. 
Like, you know, you make a wool sweater out of uh, sheep wool. You shave it off and then you sew it all together. You just sew it on me. I look like a giant sheep. I'm running down the street. Thanks, Mom. Wool. Wool. So it smelled like burned wool. And again, that's, I don't think anyone knows what that smells like. You're like, yeah, Chase, because nobody knows what wool is. That's not how you pronounce it. I'm pretty sure I got it right. Burned wool. Very, very detailed description of a cryptid, but the reason why I really love this particular monster is we get a detail that we don't often get with cryptids. It's one of those things. You don't think about the absence of this detail until it appears, and you go, hmm, that's interesting. Like, how come more cryptids don't have this? How come we don't know this about more cryptids? Very, very interesting. The question is, what sound does it make? And I'm not talking about its battle cry, or, you know, it's like screaming at the edge of the river, or the Bigfoot call from the woods. No. As big as a lot of cryptids are, it should make some noise. It should make some noise just naturally moving about. Let's read this description that Albert told us. Quote, The body was covered with scales as big as clamshells, which made a rattling noise as the beast moved along. We very rarely get a sound of a chupacabra scuttling. We'll hear stories of like Bigfoot marching through the woods and things like that, but a lot of times like it's interacting with the trees and things like that. But for the amount of cryptids that are out there, very rarely do we get someone describe what the sound is like when they move. So it's very, very interesting detail. It's not absent from all cryptid stories, but it's absent from enough that it does make you think, are these things actually some sort of biological entity or is this from somewhere else? Now, anything on Earth is going to make noise. I'm sure cows make a noise when they walk. They definitely would if they were covered in armor. They definitely would if they were covered in these shells that are kind of clinking and clinking against each other. So just a, just an interesting detail. I, I, I really like that. And let me go ahead and continue because there's another really cool detail with this. For a creature that's emitting this much flame, question would be, where's it coming from? Right? It's coming out of its mouth. It's coming out of its nose. Its eyeballs look like they're on fire. But let's look at this detail. Um, quote, the body was covered with scales as big as clamshells, which made a rattling noise as the beast moved along. The scales flopped up and down. The thing had lights on its sides, like those shining through a tin lantern. So what Albert and his friends are seeing is the light, it is, there's so much flame being generated in this thing. It's actually penetrating the skin. The, the actual glow is penetrating the skin. And they're seeing it in between the shells clinking and clanking against each other. It actually looks like there's a lantern in there. And they can see, that's a really fascinating detail to this thing. They, it, that makes it feel more biological rather than just fire shooting out of the nose. It's, that's kind of dragon. That's kind of mythological, right? You can go, well, I wonder where the fire came from. And we can kind of make up stories about how a dragon could breathe fire. This one, whatever flame it's breathing out is actually being generated within a biological form. And because there's so much heat and energy in there, you can see it through the skin and you catch glimpses of it. In between the armor, in between those scales, kind of flopping up and down, you can kind of see inside this glow. 
fascinating creature. And Albert and his buddies, they see this thing. It's relatively close to them. They don't give us an exact measurement, but it's close enough to smell. It's close enough to notice these details. And Albert said as this creature was getting closer, he felt like he was being suffocated. This creature doesn't even have to get them, doesn't have to set them on fire, doesn't have to trample them, doesn't have to eat them. Just being in its presence is sucking the wind out of their lungs. Very, very powerful creature. Albert and his friends, they go, you know what? We don't even know if the gold's here in the first place. Let's leave. And they actually took off running. Disappeared in the night. Albert said, we never saw where the creature went. He almost disappeared as quickly as he appeared. But I don't know where he went. I never I never went back there. I'm pretty sure there's some pirate gold in and on that farm. But I'm never going back there. I believe that the reason why he can put two and two together. He said, I believe that this creature was there to guard Captain Kidd's gold. We have a lot of stories of hidden gold, hidden by Native Americans, hidden by conquistadors, hidden by pirates. And there is some sort of creature there guarding it. There are stories of long lost gold mines that are guarded by, I think we did an episode on it. There was like a, a glowing skeleton in the area that was to ward off people. That might have been a different, that might have been a different glowing skeleton, but I know in the uh, Southwest, the American Southwest, there are stories of like lost mines. The Native Americans are like, you guys can't come back here. And there's like a guardian spirit that will kill prospectors trying to find that. And even this isn't unusual for a pirate treasure to be guarded by a ghost or some sort of beast. I, I, I'm sure that there are magics that one can learn and one can use to create a cursed location like this. that you, The farmer could be out there all day long and never see this creature. He's all trying to hook up a big hoe to it. What are those? He's trying to hook up a big plow to it. He's like, come on, Betsy, let's go. He's all burning himself as he's getting close to it. I was like, oh, man. It smells like burned wool. But I'm sure there is something, some spell you could cast that could curse the area if you came looking for the gold. What's interesting is there is only two accounts of this Gloucester ghoul. It's only been seen twice, both times in the 1800s. The last time, really the second and last time it was ever seen was on January 13th, 1896. A fellow named Neil Hopkins. He said he was on his way home from work. And this is old time. So like he was working in another state and then walking back to Rhode Island. He was like coming from New Hampshire or something like that. He was passing through the area on his way home from work at night and he saw... The Gloucester Ghoul. That was the only other sighting of it. Now, that kind of that kind of sinks my own theory that you can only see it if you're looking for the gold. But maybe as he was walking through the area, he's like, oh man, you know what? I probably should work in the same state that I live in if only I had some gold. It's interesting, he describes the same beast down to the clanking of the armor. He describes it in the same way. And you could hear it coming. He said when the shells, when the, like, chain armor you know the kind of that description it's a lot of little like piece overlaying another piece overlaying another piece he goes when it was walking towards me it sounded like steel striking steel that's how heavy this armor was and when he saw it it was not the size of a cow it was the size of an elephant big big difference between the two right 
It was the size of an elephant, and it didn't lazily walk through the area. This thing chased him. This thing started pursuing him through the area, and he ran, and eventually said, I turned around and disappeared. Like, it just wasn't there anymore. I, I, the, the only proof was my stained pantaloons that this experience ever happened. The Gloucester Ghoul. It's never been seen since. It's a fascinating creature, though. I love it. But it's fascinating cryptid. I just love the amount of detail we get from it. Is it still out there? Is it more of a ward that is protecting this treasure? If it is, it's so detailed. Again, like making the set. The other, the other one was just like a glowing skeleton going, oh, I can stay away. It didn't even talk. It didn't even talk. I mean, I guess if it's a glowing skeleton, you're not going to be like, well, you know, he is in the location of this hidden treasure. I wonder, yeah, he might be having to do with something else. If only he could speak and tell us. A, a glowing skeleton would be bad enough, but you have this creature with all this detail. Absolutely fascinating. That's the story of the Gloucester ghoul. And as we're packing up all of our stuff, we stole the treasure. We found it with our ground penetrating radar. As we're packing up all our stuff to leave, we see Albert Hicks kind of waving to us in the distance, like waving goodbye. And we're like, hey, see you later, little Albie. Man, that guy sure was helpful. I wonder if he'll ever pop up in some some terrifying true crime story in a future episode. And he just kind of shrugs his shoulders and he walks away. We're like, what? How did he hear that from that far away? He's super far away. Uh, well, bye, Albert. Hope you, hope you don't have a super tragic end anytime soon. Ayanna Paul, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Rhode Island. Fly us all the way out. To Moscow, Idaho. Ayanna Paul, land this carboner copter here in Moscow, Idaho. It's November 13th, 2022. I've been talking a lot about this story on my YouTube shorts and my TikToks. It's a very fascinating true crime story, but if you guys aren't up to speed on it, I'll give you guys a quick overview. On November 13th, 2022 in Moscow, Idaho, you have the University of Idaho, and then you have off-campus housing. People are always hanging out, doing homework, partying. Just growing up, right? Just living your best life. In this particular house, there were five people who were living in it. We had Madison Mogan, Kaylee Goncavs, and Zana Kernoodle. And then there were two other unnamed roommates that were living in this house. And it was a party house. They, you know, people in the area goes, well, they're all they're all party houses, but a lot of people were in and out of this house over the years, really, even before they moved in. It was just a off-campus housing for a college. Well, on November 13th, we had another person staying the night there, Ethan Chapin. That was Zana's boyfriend. He was spending the night over at his girlfriend's house. What happens is when the sun rises later that morning, four people are found murdered. Madison, Kaylee, Zana, and Ethan. They're all dead. They've all been stabbed to death in the house. I've heard reports that they were beheaded as well. I don't know how authentic those are, and we'll kind of get into that. We're getting a lot of little pieces of what be, could be coming out of this story, but I, I also want to focus more on the cryptid part for this. I'm just giving you a quick overview. It was super interesting because I remember when this happened, 
you're starting to get these little bits of information coming out saying four people were murdered in a house and you go, the first inclination is drug deal gone wrong. These kids got into something, they were selling Xanax on the sly and they thought that they could get away with robbing some drug dealer. They were all killed. That's the first thing that I thought of because you don't think, oh, it's just Scream 6. It's just a horror movie that's real. But as the days, and the police said the public is in no danger. They made that statement the first day, which normally means they know who did it, and the victims caused it in one way or the other. Not saying that they deserved it, but they pissed off the wrong person. So the average housewife doesn't have to worry about it. This was a situation which is some. They eventually changed that. They go, well, we can't promise. <laughs> we can't, we as the police cannot promise no one's in danger. Because it turned out that they didn't know who did it, and they didn't have a motive. And for over a month, nobody knew what was going on. What we knew of was that, this is what we were told, four people were killed in a house, and two roommates slept through it. So you're starting to think, how do you kill four people with a knife? Maybe they're not beheaded, but how do you kill four people with a knife without waking up two people in other rooms? Now, it was a multi-story house, but still, you can you can stab a couple people in your sleep. Don't get me wrong. But four, and if someone did was able to successfully stab four people in their sleep, you would assume that these this is an experienced killer, a.k.a. drug deal gone wrong. What's interesting, so what we found out was the police eventually did have a suspect. His name is Brian Koberger. He's a 28-year-old man. He was arrested in Pennsylvania where his parents lived, but he did go to school in the area. Now, he didn't know them. I know there's stories coming out now that he dated them and that he might have stalked one of them. We don't know, but what we do know is that he was a criminal justice major. So he was really into the psychology of the macabre. You know, what could cause a man to kill? That type of stuff. Which there's nothing wrong with that. But it also can lead. We have seen cases in the past where those people go, well, I'm smarter than the cops. I'll pull off the perfect crime. <laughs> now he's arrested. He's been arrested. He did it. I mean, allegedly, right? The tri there's been no trial yet, but they basically have a knife sheath there was a like a military style knife sheath found at the location of the murders that has genealogical dna on it that connects to him they have not officially said that it's his dna but they use that dna to go through genealogical you know the 23 and me type things and they found his dad so i mean that, that's that's kind of concrete unless his dad was also in the area and they connected it to him. They also were able to ping his phone. We talked about this on a recent episode. They geocaching, or geofencing is what it's called, I'm sorry. Where they can look at a particular area and see where their phones are. And it appears that he was in that area quite often before and a little bit after the murders. But not on the day of. And we also have learned now that the police were holding information back from us. One of the roommates wasn't asleep they didn't reveal this because they didn't want the guy coming back and killing her she had woken up in the middle of the night and had heard one of the young women crying and she heard an, an unfamiliar male voice say it's okay i'm going to help you she also heard another one of her roommates in this same time period 
One of her roommates, one of the murder victims, was on their phone on TikTok. We believe that this was Xanax as we see that she was on TikTok at 4.12 in the morning. But she hears uh, what is presumably Xana on um, TikTok. And Xana says, probably to someone on the phone, probably to someone on the TikTok app, there's someone here. And the roommate is hearing this kind of going on. She's hearing a dog bark and she's hearing these weird comments. There is the sound. Security cameras in the area at 417 picked up the sound of someone or something whimpering. A loud thud. And then the sound of a dog barking over and over and over again. At one point, the roommate opened up her bedroom door and she looked out into the darkened interior of the house. And she saw a man wearing all black with a black face mask, you know, covering his nose and his mouth, walking towards her. And she froze. And he just kind of walked by and then walked out a sliding glass door. So he may not have seen her. Or maybe he did. We don't know. She said he was about five foot ten. He had bushy eyebrows. That's all I knew. He was a white dude. That's all she could gather from that. What's super weird... You can kill four people. We now know that one of the roommates was awake, did hear this stuff. The roommates did not report the murders until noon the next day. And they actually called their friends over to the house. I mean, the story is weird. The story's so weird. They called their friends over to the house, and all these kids are stomping all over the crime scene, and then they called police. So there may be more information. There may be other arrests coming out. We don't know. But that's a quick overview of the Moscow murders, but that's not why we're here today, because I covered this stuff on my TikTok channel. We're here today because it's taken a turn for the weird. I want to dig into this conspiracy theory. This makes sense, right? We have this case that millions of people are interested in, and we're getting this drip drop of details, and even after we get affidavits, some of the details still don't make sense. Why did they wait so long to call the police? Four people had been butchered. There's blood everywhere. The cops came in and they go, there's blood on the walls. It's not like they came in and be like, hey, we can't wake Kaylee up. Call her friend. Maybe Kaylee's friend can help wake her up. No, they were bloodied. Anyways, you have a story that that's this big. Of course, you're going to get conspiracy theories about it. Did the roommates have anything to do with it? Is Brian the sole murderer? Is he even the guilty one? What could possibly be going on? Then we take a look at the crazy academic this person posted a theory online recently that maybe they were killed by Bigfoot. Hold all your questions till the end, and there they will be numerous. And I probably won't be able to answer most of them. But I find this so fascinating. I do want... Let's put our conspiracy caps on early on this segment. I do want to say, yes, Bigfoot is not known to be walking around neighborhoods. He's a forest creature a rural creature but I, I do want to say this we focus so much on missing 411 these mysterious disappearances that take place in the woods every so often they're quite rare people go missing in the woods they're never seen again is it some sort of unknown force is it some sort of cryptid is it some sort of portal way more people go missing in the suburbs in the inner city than ever go missing in the outdoors so keep that in mind, because I will say you might have missing 411, but this would be missing. This is missing 911. These are mass 
disappearances in urban and suburban environments and murders and things like this. So it, it, I do, I do, while I don't think, I don't want to play my cards too, too early, but while I don't think Bigfoot actually murdered these four people, I think it is possible that there is a cryptid crime wave going on and we are not aware of it. But let's take a look at the crazy academic story. He says that it was Bigfoot. He said it was Bigfoot or the Nephilim. The half-human, half-demon, or technically half-human, half-angel giants that once walked the earth. Now, I don't know. I don't know how tall the population is at University of Idaho. I don't know if there's any 13 or 18 feet tall monstrosities currently walking around the campus. He, you know, it's interesting because his conspiracy theory, while intriguing, well, gosh darn it, if you won't believe that there's some holes, <laughs> there's some holes in the theory that a cryptid might have killed these kids. But one, he said, I, I, I mean, I guess I've heard this before, but I, did get, I didn't know it was mainstream. He says that the Nephilim or the giants live in the hollow earth. What? I, I I mean, I've heard, I know we found, supposedly found graves of giant skeletons, stuff like that. We've done a dozen episodes on that phenomenon, but you have the giant skeletons. I guess I never heard so much that they lived in hollow earth. That would be the worst place for a giant to be. The, the ceilings are much lower. You're underground. Why would you be underground? If you were half human, half demon, if you survived the great flood, you would just be like, welcome back, boys. You'd just be kicking tanks over and throwing jets at the White House. Like, why would you hide underground i i know the theory of hollow earth and i know the theory of advanced civilizations i guess i'm just is that a new thing is that a new thing that people are saying that that's where the nephilim went underground they're living underground but anyways so that the nephilim burst out of the earth at least one of them and made his way through this college town he's all stopping to get a couple of drinks he's hanging out he has all these mardi gras beads around his neck and then he's walking through town he a nephilim burst out of the earth or bigfoot burst out of the earth you're like what okay you're gonna do a lot of head scratch in here or bigfoot also pops out of a hole in the earth you're like what's this fascination with holes in the earth i don't know it's not my theory anyways that bigfoot burst out of a hole in the earth again i've never heard that theory that bigfoot lives in inner earth i mean i guess it would make sense it would explain why he's so hard to find but it just the ceiling's too low he but he jumps out he jumps out of a hole which would be so awesome to see if i ever see bigfoot I hope he's not, like, just walking through the forest. I hope I'm, like, just standing there admiring nature's beauty. Then all of a sudden, I see Bigfoot jump, jump out of a hole. Like, he's Michael Jackson getting ready to start his show in Vegas. He has, like, this springboard contraption that throws him 20 feet into the air, and then he lands in front of me, then grabs his crotch. Bigfoot jumping out of a hole. Nephilim jumping out of a hole. This is his proof that... These people weren't killed by a human. He says, one, there's video footage of strange entities in the area. There's not. There's not. I watched the footage he was talking about originally. So there is footage that was taken of a street. And there's like a, I think it's like a, a police, maybe dash cam or something like that. It's footage, though, of from a street. And you see four, not one giant, not one huge Bigfoot. Again, people would notice it. 
they see four little shadowy figures walking off in the distance. But, I mean, they, it looks blurry. Anyone who knows anything about cameras, and a lot of people who don't know anything about cameras, knows that stuff in the dark, far away, it's not going to be picture perfect. But, again, that blows his own thing. If he thinks it's Nephilim, they were ordinary-looking blobs walking down the street. The fact that you found the knife sheath at the murder scene, which was a military-styled knife, like probably like a K-bar or something like that. The academic, the crazy academic, says that that is proof of a, quote, sophisticated military operation. So it wasn't just that someone just went and bought a K-bar off Amazon. It's that they sent in special forces and... They engaged this creature in the house. And after after the battle between man and Bigfoot was over, the guy left his sheath there. That's his that's his takeaway from the fact that they found the sheath there. Other I was reading an article the other day in Fox News. They said Brian might have left it there on purpose. This might not have been his very first killings. It would be it's really interesting to go from zero murders. To four in one night. We do see mass shooters obviously do that. But it's still odd. The whole story's odd. But anyway, so it's not so odd that I think Bigfoot was there. As interesting as that would be. The knife sheath being left there is a sign that there were military operatives there that were killing this creature. Or chasing it off. Or, I mean, I guess you could even argue that these four people saw proof of the Nephilim coming out of the middle of the earth and then the military went and silenced them and left their sheath. They're a member of this worldwide conspiracy to stop all knowledge of cryptids. And they're like, Jeffrey, did you leave your sheath there? And he's like, oh, no, uh oh, spaghetti. Like he's capable of covering up hidden beasts from man's prying eyes, but he can't remember to pick up his sheath. But... Proof that there were military there in the uh, theory of the crazy academic. There was one thing that he said, which I, I think this conspiracy theory, I find it very evocative. That's why I wanted to talk about it. I don't think it's true. I do think you could chalk up some missing people in suburban and urban environments and some people who are brutally killed in those environments as well. I think you could chalk up a very small portion of those two cryptids. A very, very small portion of them. If they exist, right? If we if we believe that these creatures exist. Every so often you'll hear a news story about an orangutan just tearing butt through the middle of Charleston. You'll every so often you'll hear about like a crocodile loose in a daycare center, which actually sounds hilarious. <laughs> but anyways, I don't know if I've actually ever read that news story, but that would be fun. You, um, so why not? If you can have a natural creature outside of its habitat, you could easily have a Bigfoot wander into a town or some other unknown cryptid wander into a town and snack. There's been a ton of sightings of the, I think, what is it? Um, off the top of my head, the Illinois. I think we see a lot of it in Chicago. I, we did an episode on it before, the winged beast. They call it the Mothman or the Batman, but I think a lot of people get it confused with the Mothman, the more famous Mothman from Point Pleasant that predicts catastrophes. No, this is just some weird monstrosity that's been seen flying around the city of Chicago. 
So we do have urban cryptids. We've covered one or two on the show. See if I can find those episodes for the show notes. But yeah, I'm not against the idea in and of itself. I find it fascinating. It's in poor taste, but that's never stopped me before. We do, though, have this. This is something I didn't know about. And I want to end the episode like this because we are officially running long. He said that there's been... This is why he was so fixated on the inner earth and things blowing up. He said that there had been a series of explosions in Idaho recently. And what that might have been was the creature or creatures blowing a hole through the earth and jumping out. Jumping out. I mean, again, if, you, if you're going to be... I talked about a cryptid maybe living on the outskirts of Minneapolis and just grabbing homeless people to feast on before eventually it heads back to its natural environment deep inside a national forest. That's the, you know, they, they, they don't have spectacular entrances. They don't have the Michael Jackson-esque ah, jumping out, fireworks going up. But his do. So, I mean, maybe that's just more exciting. But he's saying that it's possible that you have these explosions going off that are creatures coming to the earth. And I was like, what? What explosions? And I looked it up, and this is weird. There have been explosions all over, not just Idaho, all over America. And one of the great things about ring doorbell cams, as hard as it would have been to be a criminal back when I <laughs> legally wasn't a criminal. No, I was never a criminal. But as much as ring doorbell cameras, I'm like, man, poor criminals today, they just can't get away with anything. They're great for <laughs> they're great for seeing mysterious explosions in the distance. There's tons of footage of these ring doorbell cameras all over America just filming a porch at 3, 4 in the morning, then all of a sudden there's a bright flash far on the horizon, and then there's probably about a minute of nothing, and then the shockwave hits, and you hear it like this is an explosion. They're picking up these explosions, these loud booms. Now, I want to shoot down. Crazy Academic, I really did enjoy this conspiracy theory. I know we've been joking about it, but I think it sounds really cool. I mean, I'm not saying, again, I think it's sad that these people died. But I find it fascinating. Um, Unfortunately, the explosions in Idaho happened on December 3rd. So that was, the, the murders happened on November 13th. So not even close. And they are 85 miles away from the area. So, I mean, I guess if you're a Nephilim, walking 85 miles is nothing. But still, they happen way after the murder. So it, it doesn't line up. But what I thought was super interesting was I started looking up these mysterious booms. They're happening everywhere. And nobody knows what they are. There have been some theories. Like, there were some explosions in Florida. And apparently, the top-secret Air Force fighter jet reconnaissance plane whatever returning to base it was breaking the sound barrier (laughs) not top secret anymore government you have that it's so interesting because i'm reading all these articles and i'm looking into this and each article has a different theory that basically like yeah kind of answers it but people go i don't know a lot of them say they are meteorites coming in being picked up on these ring doorbell cameras You're seeing a meteorite explode. It's like an airburst meteorite. There was another thing I found. I didn't know this was an actual thing. I I didn't write down the exact term that they use, but what it is is basically an ice quake where you you don't need to be in Antarctica for it. What happens is when a place gets super cold, super fast... It can actually, okay, I probably should, probably should have taken notes on it. I was like, wow, that's fascinating. And then uh, didn't write anything down. But basically, 
It's just, imagine when you put a freezing, imagine when you put a Coca-Cola in your freezer and you forget about it and then it explodes. It's that, but it's happening to the earth. Not the earth as a whole. You're like, Jason, I think I would have heard about that. If the earth blew up. I'm pretty sure you're just making stuff up now. No, no, no. It's not the whole earth. But they said, and, and we did have this huge cold snap this winter. They said if the temperature drops too quickly, it can actually create a loud cracking sound coming out of the ground. So that could count for some of the booming sounds as well. All of them? No. But some of them. Some of them might be military equipment. Some of them might be meteorites. Some of them might have been these ice quakes that you guys are researching. You're like, Jason, I'm pretty sure you got something wrong. Maybe. But the point is, is that the phenomenon is real. These loud explosions are real. They're so real that the media has to address them. And they're happening everywhere. And there's no one answer. And I thought that's so interesting because this could have been something that the government has been trying to cover up. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff. You know, I talk about poor criminals out there getting caught by ring doorbell alarms. I'm sure there is stuff that the government has covered up for decades. And it used to be that they owned access to all the video cameras. And now everyone has a video camera in their house. They still have access to it, by the way. You know, the police can, like, log into your camera with no warning and get your footage. But... Now everyone has a camera. Everyone has proof of these things. Before, like, people would wake up and be like, hey, Johnny, did you hear that loud boom last night? It was like 3 in the morning. The guy's like, well, I heard something, but I think it was like at 2 in the morning. And, well, you just kind of go about your day. (laughs) Stealth fighter is flying in and is super top secret, and you heard a noise. But And now there's video footage. There's actually time-stamped footage of when the sound happened and everyone in the area, you'd say even if 10% of them had these ring doorbell cameras, the government's like, okay, fine. That was our stupid stealth fighter. We're trying to keep it in for the rest of the world. Guys, things love for exposing it. Can't we just land? Can't we just land a supersonic plane in peace? I'm wondering how much stuff like it, I, 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 I don't know what these noises are. And it's funny because nobody does the one in Florida. They've pretty much been pointed was that jet, but the ones in Idaho, the one, everywhere, these are happening everywhere, nobody knows what's causing them. Might be able to explain some of them, but can you explain all of them? It's a fascinating story. Added on to a crazy conspiracy, is it possible that four college students were murdered by Bigfoot or some other legendary creature that erupted from the bowels of the earth? I can see where he got it. I can see where he put those pieces together to come up with that theory. I don't think it's true. It definitely sounds interesting. It sounds terrifying. Because it's bad enough that we got to worry about some crazed weirdo breaking into our house in the middle of the night and plunging a knife through our throat. Right? You wake up with a blade that's already pierced your voice box. You can't even scream for help. That's bad enough. Actually, that's so horrific. I don't I was going to go, what if it was Bigfoot? You're like, Jason, I'd much rather, I'd much rather have Bigfoot breaking into my house. Like, maybe he strangles me. Maybe he rips me apart limb from limb. That's way less terrifying sounding than than what you just said. What you have to add in that part with the voice box, you lunatic? Yeah, I probably would rather wake up to have Bigfoot ripping me limb from limb. That was kind of, that was, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to paint such a horrible picture. That was that was a little grimmer than I thought it was going to sound when I started saying it, but such is life. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio.
TikTok is at Dead Rabbit Radio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.